0: You know who I discovered first? I was an early adopter of, I I think I discovered this person like two weeks before their album exploded. And that was Alanis
1: Morissette.
2: Ah, Not to be outdone. Justin had to come in <laughs> to talk about the thing he discovered. That's
0: first. right. I wanted to have my radio
3: moment.
4: Once I, my radio moment once I, we I we cannot <laughs>
2: start a serious
3: discussion without reestablishing Amazing. the pecking order of the wolf pack. So <laughs> what, done. I done. Discovered, what I discovered before the rest
4: of the world um, isn't something that makes me cool. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, now you have to tell us what
4: yeah. it
3: is.
2: It's ska
4: music.
3: (laughs) Hello and welcome to Murder Husbands, an in-depth episode-by-episode discussion of Brian Fuller's Hannibal based on characters from the novels by Thomas Harris. We are Popsicle, a group of like-minded creators who enjoy getting together to have big conversations for big stories. I am Claire Thorne, and I am going to claim that I was the first to discover my fabulous popsicle family, although that's not true. Philip. like (laughs) that's not true at all. But I I feel like it. I feel like we've discovered, you know, a new thing here. I am joined, of course, by Lisa K. Weber.
2: Hi, Lisa. Hello.
3: How are you? And Justin Penniston. Hey, now. Hey, now. Kelly Sue Milano. Howdy. Hello. And Philip Kelly, who rightfully, I mean, we're going to give you that flag. you discovered the
1: South Pole okay.
3: first. Oh, Popsicle.
1: I don't know if I discovered anything. I, I just said, hey, I'm lonely. <laughs> and then people just sort of <laughs> fell into my lap. And you, you all just kind of you know, like, were like, oh. I was like, oh, my. It's like that meme where then like, suddenly there's a bunch of popsicles falling on you, you know, I, instead of the light yep. thumbs. Uh, you all, you all just came sort as... of tumbling on. And it was great. <laughs>
3: I'm now envisioning us all sitting on your lap. (laughs) (laughs) That's delightful. Well, before we dive into discussion for this episode, Justin and Lisa are going to take us through a quick recap of And the Beast from the Sea.
0: I'm going to have a hard time reading this because I'm now worried about Philip's lap, but okay. I I, I do
1: have the Santa Claus beard right now, kind of. It's, 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 Philips, I'm sure
0: you have a perfectly comfortable lap. I'm just probably not comfortable for you to sit on. You know what I'm saying? You might be like, Justin, please. All I want for Christmas is to breathe. Um, The Blake painting may have been digested by the Red Dragon, but the FBI is the one dealing with the heartburn. And uh, we're back. Jack is like he ate it, and Will says, "Yeah, kind of like how you're eating my soul." A lot of Will and Jack ask lots of exploratory questions, trade hypotheses, and all they deduce is that Will is indeed back in Jack's stew. Great work, guys.
2: Meanwhile, Francis is back in session with Hannibal. He talks about his love for Reba, about how the dragon wants her, and how it finally spoke to him. Hannibal seems lukewarm, amused by it all. Anything is interesting when you're in prison, but it isn't until Francis says that he's interested in Will Graham, even though he isn't handsome. What the fuck, by the way? That <laughs> Hannibal really perks the fuck up planning to get close to my man while also insulting his on the contrary handsomeness I think the fuck not so many facts. naturally <laughs> naturally he tells the dragon to go kill Will and his entire family very strange flex but the heart wants what it wants
0: cut to Francis Dollarhide carving a symbol into a tree outside of someone's house a little while later he and Reba are mixing martinis He says he has some film to cut and she asks if she can cozy up to him, so she does. They cuddle together, sipping martinis and watching the footage he took of Will's wife and son. Dream date. Over on the Graham farm, the dogs fall ill and are rushed to the vet. Instead of Molly telling Will about it, she keeps it from him so he doesn't blame her. She's all, all on her own with her son in the middle of the goddamn nowhere and doesn't exactly have time to make eight dogs fucking food from fucking scratch, Will. More to the point, We know it's not her fault, and so does the FBI notice on the wall of the vet office that no one seems to see.
2: What happens next proves why Nina Arianda is a bad ass. The dragon does sneak up on their home in the middle of the night, but she hears him and knows exactly what's up. What unfolds is maybe one of the best escape sequences ever. Molly and her son make it to the road and into a car, but not before the dragon can kill the unsuspecting driver and laid another bullet in Molly's shoulder. Later in the hospital, Will fails at dad talk when he tells his stepson he won't kill the man who did this. Another failure is found in Alana Bloom, who realizes that Hannibal hasn't been talking to his lawyer, girl, like for real, and says, You haven't been talking to your lawyer. Hannibal literally (laughs) laying down is like, "Hello, well, yeah, I know. (laughs) Unamused by his cheekiness, Alana tells him that if he wants to stay comfortable, he'll keep talking to Dollar Hyde on a tapped phone. Hannibal agrees. Uh Uh-oh.
0: Due to his total failure to kill Will's family, Francis is tormented not only by himself, but by the dragon. He's just minding his business, doing some yoga, likely to clear his head and reset his vibe when he's swiped by wings and tails. Of course, it's actually him beating himself up. With an understanding that he's losing power over the dragon, the first thing he fears for is Reba's life. So he jaunts like a dragon would over to Reba's workplace and confronts her in the dark room to end their relationship. She immediately thinks it's about her being a burden, which is a good lesson for all us ladies. It's not about that. And he assures her it has nothing to do with it. She accepts this with the grace she's exhibited this entire time and asks him to leave her first good decision.
2: Dollar Hyde is now dealing with a botched murder and a breakup, and Hannibal is there to listen as he pours his heart out <laughs> from Lecter's office. Hannibal says the dragon and him are becoming one, and Francis says he's afraid Rebo will come to the house to talk and that he'll be overcome and kill her. After a long silence, Hannibal tells Francis that they're listening and hangs up the phone, not only on Dollar Hyde, but on Jack and Alana. The BAU team gets to work on Hannibal's office and Alana gets to work on Hannibal and his cell. She's pissed, but you know, she's relishing getting to take his toilet and all his fancy books away. Everyone dreams of doing that to their ex. Good for you, (laughs) honey.
0: Molly wakes up to her after her surgery and Will is at her side. She's pissed as she fucking should be at Hannibal and a jack, but Will reminds her that he's the one to blame. I mean, you all are, but I love the ownership. He takes it a step further and goes to visit Hannibal, where he exhibits an enormous amount of restraint from the other side of the glass, as Hannibal is all like, how's the wife? What a punk bitch. It isn't an entirely wasted meeting, though, as they discuss the tooth fairy and Hannibal's emboldening of him and his dragon. Will realizes that he wasn't murdering the families, he was changing them. Hannibal asks, do you crave change, Will? And I don't know how they create sexual tension under these circumstances, but damn. Mm.
3: (laughs) <laughs> very good excellent as always oh my goodness <laughs> yeah that all happened it's I just want to say
0: that if Dollar Hyde thinks that Will Graham's not handsome he's clearly been uh, watching the new law and order
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: oh poor it's
4: Hugh really handsome, and I'm like the fuck <laughs> yeah
2: yeah i was like how dare you (laughs) i think you're just jealous
0: francis
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i
0: I mean isn't half of his you know his freaking psychosis about the fact that he's got the cleft palate so he's like oh yeah uh, it's so
4: funny because they got the handsomest guy to play Mm -hmm. this guy (laughs) yes
3: (laughs) Yes, I agree. My husband informed me after listening to all of the episodes that have dropped so far in this series, um, at the time of this recording, that um, I have talked enough about Richard Armitage, and he would prefer I move on. Like to hell, <laughs> oh, that's gonna happen. <laughs> anyway, oh my goodness. So, this very special episode is brought to you by decades of after-school specials. Today, we are learning about the dangers of lying. Dun, dun, dun. I just got so many after school special vibes in the vet's office, in the vet office <laughs> with Molly Walter while well, she's like, Now, I know I said you're not supposed to lie, but uh, yeah, immediately uh, we're going to display for you, give you a parental example of how we all lie all the time. Um, so is it lying to keep your mouth shut? That's basically what she's telling her kid is that, you know, it's not that bad if you just keep your mouth shut. And that's kind of the problem with everything going on in this episode. Everybody is keeping their mouth shut. Everybody's doing it. Um, Molly and Walter about the sick dogs. If they just told Will, you know, things would have been different. If Walter had like, told will that he you know has seen him you know in this article and you know he's he's already keeping his mouth shut about things um hannibal's keeping his mouth shut we know that you know he knows what he's doing anyway um will obviously and molly have been keeping the secret from walter so what have we learned is is there a clear moral here yeah. and <laughs> i'm saying And am I missing lies? I feel like I'm missing other lies in this episode as well, just by sheer virtue of like, there's so much going on.
4: This was my immediate thought, right? Which is how I'm like, this is how I know Will Graham is totally living like his Wanda vision version of like family life with Molly and Walter, because it's like, cool. Serial killer murdering families. He just was like, hey, Put a little FBI notice out letting people know if your animals fall sick, let us know. But doesn't say this to his wife and son who are watching over 70, 11-D dogs.
3: <laughs>
4: yeah. I'm like, this dude, you need to get better at this part of the job. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah it's like, and it's like you know, people always trying to like you know, our lies of omission really lies. Yeah. Yes, they are. yes, they are
3: um
2: that's why they're called lies of omission. um so you know, it's there's a lot of that going on. I mean Francis and his breakup with Reba, like he allows her. Basically, to believe the reason she thinks um, for the breakup. Obviously, he's not like going to tell her that he is housing the great red dragon inside of his body and murdering families. And that's why he's going to, that's why he's breaking up with her. But, um, you know, he's living a lie. And a lot of, a lot of these characters are like living a lie, except as ever for Hannibal. Mm-hmm. Um, he
3: was just really enjoying, yeah, life. I've never seen a
2: happier Hannibal
3: than <laughs> he's just got.
2: He's in full snark mode. It's, amazing I mean, I mean, yeah, he is being like such a fucker in this episode. Like, needling it will. Um, you know oh i'm not responsible for this family's death you are and it's like no he's not let's not get it twisted hannibal like such a fucking gaslighter oh yeah um so yeah like, like i would amazing. say as every i mean and it's like hannibal is obviously also committing lies of omission but it's like he's not living a lie no no, when he opened how his much energy now. was
4: freed up for Hannibal when he yeah. no longer had to live a lie? He's mm-hmm. like, I don't have, I can do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. I'm already in prison.
2: Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> this isn't how
4: I express myself. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> well, it's you know, there's
0: this sort of like whole yin yang thing going on with Hannibal and Will. You know, like will is the one now really wearing a person suit Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that person suit is called you know molly and walter you know and like he's and they really it's to the credit of this show that they really illustrate that in a way that advances the story and makes everything make sense like no will doesn't tell molly and walter about You know the serial killer stuff because he doesn't really want them to really know about what he is. You know, Um, and in the meantime, Hannibal, you know, for the maybe for the first time in the show, in this you know this latter half of the third season, is so happy to be known and fully seen by everyone, and like his every everything he does seems so gleeful. You know what I mean, like. We don't see, even when um, Dollar Hyde says that Will Graham's not attractive, you know, he's, he isn't <laughs> handsome, we don't see any hint of butthurt Hannibal, which we used to see all the time.
4: <laughs> you know what
0: I mean? But now Hannibal is like, oh, I'm so happy. I, it, it seems like he's the happiest he's ever been in a way. You know what I mean?
3: Mm-hmm. Which um, is ironic and- because he's literally probably going to get his butt hurt now that he doesn't have a toilet, <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da. Um, um,
0: and uh, it's too everyone's again like molly's lie of omission i'm not going to tell will about the dogs really does make perfect sense though like everyone watching that scene gets it it doesn't feel like a writerly contrivance you know what i mean Mm-mm. it's very much like yeah Will's weird ass is home making dog food, you know, and nobody fucking does that. And nobody thinks (laughs) Molly's going to do that. And no one thinks that Molly wants to put up with will's passive aggressive bullshit when he finds out she's not doing it so yes it makes perfect sense that no one is telling will well, that they're not making,
1: yeah. making the dog food it's a like, legit it's...
3: stupid detail too when you have you're someone who's assuming okay my man is off doing some fucking important shit and my distracting yes. him might get him killed like you know yeah
2: yeah, all yeah that There are a need million reasons why it Alpo. made sense for her mm-hmm. to not, for her to commit that lie of omission. Mm-hmm. Like uh... It was like one of the most relatable scenes of this entire <laughs> Absolutely. series. Legitimately. Yeah. yeah. Well, because we've all I been would there, argue right? I
0: Molly is <laughs> exactly. sort of the most relatable character that has ever been on the show. She's mm-hmm. the most Absolutely. normal human that has ever been on the show. Mm-hmm. I just
4: love that she's like, my husband makes the food from scratch and I don't have time to do that. <laughs> And I was like, somebody's wife wrote that line.
1: <laughs>
4: <Yeah>. <laughs> yep. Uh, but yeah, the other lies, there's like so many lies flying around, but I feel like I'm, I'm used to it from these other jagweeds, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm,
4: mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Well, the,
1: the problem with lying like this is that you're just showing that you really don't want to change. Mm-hmm. I, I think mm-hmm. like uh, will doesn't so will really doesn't will doesn't change is yeah, what you're saying exactly mm-hmm. will will doesn't really want to change because he's hiding a huge part of himself still like if you're doing that you don't really want to change uh, I don't think so I mean I think well, I think that I, level of honesty in someone means that they're open about who they are and it's much easier for it to change when when you are being honest with yourself mm-hmm. and other people about that kind of stuff
3: well and I think I think juxtaposed with lies of omission and you know some outright lies that are happening in this you know the kind of the way we've been talking about hannibal being open and free when he is opening his mouth right now he is being true hannibal he doesn't care about couching anything or putting it behind any level of the facade whatsoever and i kind of feel in the, like the opening scene that we have with, you know, our investigative team, Jack and Alana and, and Will, to some degree, we're seeing that in those characters as well, because I feel like there's no more, there, there is much less of a facade of we're doing a, we're engaged in a legitimate law enforcement (laughs) investigation, right? Like Jack just comes right out and is like, yeah, let's get this guy to commit suicide. I'm totally good with that. And the feeling you get is that the the person suits for Alana and Jack to some degree are also thinning out because they just feel more honest about the, Jack seems perfectly accepting of like, yeah, I'm doing some really questionable shit and I'm doing it
2: again and yeah I don't give two fucks about it
3: I'm fine
2: yeah I think that's kind of what is being shed like is that kind of sense of shame about what they really want um and so Jack is very matter of fact about what he's doing what he's doing Mm -hmm. with Will like he's you know, he doesn't seem to be that tortured about it at this point. Um, And Alana, I mean, as we've kind of seen her evolve in this entire season, you know, she enjoys this power that she wields over Hannibal. You can see that she enjoys it, that she, you know, has this swagger in her kind of recriminations of him. So, and so, yeah, I think it's like, again, it's everybody becoming Hannibal. It's Hannibal still continuing to shape the world around him um, and make everyone in his image.
3: Indeed. Um, Let's move on to another question. According to Hannibal Wiki, which I try to read and absorb as much as I can from, (laughs) <laughs> um they claim and justin if this is wrong you should probably of course correct us but in any case they claim that in the book dollar Hyde seems to be much more in control after he returns from eating the painting believing he has earned the power to choose and that he can now be with reba and remain in control of the dragon so i'm really fascinated by this the symbolism of the dragon, both in what it means to the audience and what it means to dollar hide. Is this, do we see this as like the traditional case, like a traditional case of dissociative identity disorder? Is it, but does it vary from that? Um, I'm I'm very intrigued again, by his conversation uh, with Hannibal, where he's admitting, you know, this It used to be that I was the dragon and now we, we don't have the same, we don't have the same motivations anymore. And he spoke to me. That's never, that's never happened before. Like there's something very tangible about what he's perceiving, um, of the dragon. Um, and then, you know, that, I think that kind of goes in with Will's observation at the end of the episode that. Dollarhide's not killing families he's transforming them so i'm eager to hear what everyone thinks about what all of this means and i'm going to go to philip first hot seat
1: uh yeah yeah um well first of all is this the episode where they they tap his phone or is that the next episode yes okay this is this episode
2: mm-hmm. isn't in- it yeah it was, they tap yeah. his it phone was in and the he it is.
1: yeah 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 okay thank you oh yeah okay yeah. Yeah. yes yeah that's i was about to scroll up and check um but uh it, it it's always really interesting to me to watch people who haven't seen Dollar Hide like like we have, like you know, we see Alana and Jack sort of reacting to him this time, watching their faces and how they must be processing what they're hearing. And like the the shift in in vocal range, the the way he speaks about things, mm. that's sort of all over the place kind of dynamic that he has. And in the next episode, there's a little bit of that too. Um it's uh like, I don't know enough about dissociative identity disorder um, to say whether it feels like that or not. Um, but it, it does, it's a really interesting way to approach, you know, I, I kept thinking about, honestly, Smeagol, uh, that sort of dialogue that he has with himself, you know, the two sides of himself, um, or even uh, the Green Goblin, you know, the way he was portrayed in that similar sort of way. But there's something about this, that feels even more deranged and even more dangerous. Uh,
2: I was getting fight club vibes. A fight club vibes,
1: oh well, yeah, when he was punching <laughs> yeah, himself, no. for sure. When he's beating himself up, Quit yeah. Quit hitting
2: yourself. Yeah, um, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, same, same Uh I, I think, honestly, the dragon is, to me, is more an, I- almost more an idea of, Uh, of someone who wants power, um, and beats himself up when he screws up and, 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 uh, rejects himself when he screws up. And, um, obviously to the nth degree, uh, you know, obviously there's some disassociation there, but I mean, I, I, but maybe it's not, maybe it's more like he's so connected with, um, so connected with, with that side of himself that, that he almost can't, I, it's, it's, I'm, I don't know if I'm making sense. Uh, I'm kind of like discovering these thoughts as I'm saying them. Um,
2: it happens. I mean, yeah. there's, yeah, like, there's, I, I, a, there's a split and by nature that's violent, right? You know? Right. Um, And like his whole kind of like purpose as, you know, is talked about In this episode and talked about in like, you know, obviously the big recurring theme of this entire series um, about transformation and becoming and change (laughs) and all of these kinds of like signifiers of what that means what that looks like to each person. Um, because it does look different for each person. And so for Francis Dollarhide, it's like, he's still in his process, you know, he's still making his change. And as with anyone who's like, kind of shedding one skin, anyone who's going through their molting process in life, you know, <laughs> is like, there are times where it's like, no, but wait am I sure this is the right thing? Am I sure this is the direction I want to go in? Um, Because even if I wasn't particularly happy in my old skin, I knew it. I was comfortable in it. Um, And that's kind of like this challenge that is recurring in all of us as we go through our lives and is clearly happening constantly on this show so it's happening so the fact that it's happening with francis as well um fits makes sure. sense yeah um well, that- well it wouldn't be a surprise if he was even though he's never
4: actually diagnosed officially in the show if he did have disassociative identity disorder because mm-hmm. it's <clears throat> we know from the get-go that he's coming from Pretty extreme trauma at the hands of his his grandmother, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, and anytime there's extreme trauma, um, there's always going to be a split, so that you detach yourself from the person being traumatized. And often, the other side of that coin is somebody who is incredibly violent. So then it's like, well. You, nobody can hurt me now. I, I'll be the one that hurts people slash I'll be the one who hurts myself. So nobody else can type Mm -hmm. of a deal.
3: I, I think I feel a connection to what's going on with Dollar Hyde in the sense that what he reacts to very viscerally in this episode is that sense of shame Mm -hmm. of failing to kill wills family and i understand i it it almost makes me envious in a way the concept of being able to molt and shed out of a lifetime of being taught inherent shame about who i am as a person and i think that's i mean we don't know all of the particulars i don't think of his childhood but i think it came whatever was happening to him came you know was was slathered in in shame all the time and the only way he can deal with that shame is to you know let this thing take him over um which yeah it's a very it's a very uh, part of my head and, and the reason why I was interested in this question about DID is that I, you know, you're hearing Hannibal give him therapeutic advice, quote unquote, right? Like they're having a therapy session and it brings me back, especially to, um, like Joanna Woodward's, um, performance and Sybil as the therapist and like what the tactic is for treatment. And it just, it's interesting to, to see that
1: there's, there's one moment that, that keeps coming back to me is when Dollar Hyde talks about putting his hand on her chest and feeling a, the human heartbeat and there's an, like mm-hmm. recognizing there's an actual living person there um that's really crazy and I, and what I, I guess what i was getting at is that we're seeing dollar Hyde in touch with all parts of himself right now like he is he's not shutting down one thing to be another thing he's like in complete conflict he feels every side of himself at this moment and that's I imagine a very overwhelming feeling to feel. Um, So I, I, it might like, I don't, I don't know if that's dissociative disorder because he's not shutting himself down to anything. He's like, Mm -hmm. I feel everything right now and everything is so much, I can't handle it. And there's this life that I'm feeling that's outside of me. He's feeling empathy for the first time, probably for anybody. And that's, that's a great cognitive dissonance. Uh, So again, like, I don't know enough about this associative disorder to really. Oh, dare you. I know, right? How dare you don't yeah. know I... everything did about me... it. Let's put this on pause. I'm going to take six months, take some classes. Okay. I'll yeah, be yeah. Back. We'll be
4: right back. Yeah, um, six months should definitely yeah, do it. Think
3: yeah, so. <laughs> it. Yeah, I that'll I yeah, do it, yeah. I do have it figured like... out
4: then. More I than do... enough. <laughs> I, like I love that line.
3: I love that line about him feeling her heart because it takes you back to the visual of her interacting with a tiger, tiger. and yeah. then we get to realize that oh my god his tiger his true love it's <laughs> you know it's like that and his voice the way his voice breaks when he's telling Hannibal that she called him a sweet man just ends me every single time anyway Justin we have not heard from you yet please. well
0: I do want to say that Claire you are in fine form because you did write just did now. I just clear you sort of cleared me yes
2: <laughs> um uh,
0: I I will say this this does not feel to me like what I'm going to call classic movie dissociative identity mm-hmm. disorder or what we used to call multiple personality disorder mm-hmm. um you know it, it doesn't have. Uh, that same, like, you know, um, Philip mentioned, but wasn't necessarily comparing, you know, the, the Smeagol Gollum thing, or-
4: Doesn't have that um, James McAvoy special sauce.
0: uh, (laughs) I have never seen Split, so I can't. um,
4: It's good. Wow.
0: Oh, I, I, it just didn't happen. It just didn't happen. And I intend for it to happen, but it hasn't yet. And he's Um,
3: good. Yeah, he's good, yeah, (laughs) yes yeah
0: (laughs) i I, uh i i did not see this as dissociative identity disorder until reba uh in the book he flat out does hear the dragon speak to him i mean that is that is rendered Mm -hmm. on the page the reader hears you know the dragon speak to him um and so it becomes a little bit more of that movie style Mm -hmm. you know dissociative identity disorder.
3: Although hearing voices could just be like there's so many different disorders that sure are accompanied yeah. by auditory hallucinations mm-hmm. that like
0: i'm I'm firmly on Philip Kelly levels of, you know, <laughs> psychological ailment <laughs> disorders.
3: Yeah um,
0: um, <laughs> so, uh, I, I'm, I'm right there with them in, in my lack of deep knowledge of this stuff. Um, I will say, that what I really felt was that, you know, Dollar Hyde is someone who feels rejected and unloved. You know, um, I think that, you know, he attributes his appearance to that in some ways. Um, And also clearly it's got to do with his grandmother and his upbringing and, you know, probably since there seems to have been an absence of parents have probably being an orphan plays into that, like a lot of that Mm -hmm. stuff um and so in a very real sense reba might be the first time he feels loved for who he is it might be the first time that he feels like dollar hide sans dragon is enough and i think that's the moment when he begins to dissociate when these things begin to divide inside of him Mm -hmm. um and of course, it's also that's the moment in which he's basically trapped because he's been ensnared by love, you know. Yeah. Um,
4: the ultimate dragon. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes.
0: And I think there's very much, like I said, you know, before this, he has felt unseen, and un, you know, and I think this whole I don't know about killing versus transforming his victims, but I believe that that has a lot to do with why he places mirrors on his victims so that at least he sees himself you know Mm -hmm. um and now the blind girl sees him and you know he's losing his way as a result so that's that's what feels right to me
3: indeed well it's time for us to take a break For all our fanables out there, if you're enjoying this conversation, we have an announcement. The next series that we are excited to be tackling is David Lynch and Mark Frost's classic murder mystery, Twin Peaks. We will be discussing everything in canon, the only way Popsicle knows how, by being awesome. You can expect episodes to begin airing in June after our final episodes of Murder Husbands have dropped. So that's going to be exciting. Um, the best way to keep up with all the goings on with Popsicle is to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you may listen. Follow at Pod on all social media platforms or signed up or, you know, do both. Sign up for our newsletter at PopsiclePod.com for all upcoming and ongoing podcasts and related info. That's P-O-P-S-K-L-P-O-D. welcome back. Um, but final thing I want to talk about today is, you know, Nina Arianda, basically like just giving the girl props. She's freaking amazing. Um, Molly wakes up feeling pretty salty in the hospital. Um, she levels blame it herself and Jack and will, you know, doing the decent thing at least accepts a portion of that responsibility for dangling her and Walter as, as bait. Um, and of course, you know, that's kind of influenced by Hannibal's gaslighting, as we have noted earlier. I'm not killing him. You are. Um, so what's your reaction to this discussion and the discussion that Will has with Walter? I'm kind of fascinated because I've never really myself settled on what I think is the value of this family relationship entirely. It's always felt a bit shoehorned in, but I also think that this episode kind of saves that in a way because I'll just start us off by saying, I think we very much get the sense while Molly and Will are talking to each other that they have been open and communicative and real with each other and have had a real relationship. Um, Kelly Sue mentioned earlier in the episode something very interesting that you know one of the lies of omission she feels is will's not telling her that hey this guy's been you know like not filling her in on the details of what's going on in the investigation so that she at least has some knowledge and it occurred to me that i also want to talk about this miraculous escape right like this amazing she's just so amazing um I also, but I I now think maybe I feel like there's been some, you know, like fire drill activity going on in that family. Like Will just in the back of his head is like, you know, I, I have dangerous things. I have dangerous baggage. So if I'm going to be in this family, I need to prep them on what to do in case of serial killer showing up. Oh, because interesting. I, because there's I, no question. She just snaps. She has
2: no, I know. Memory, I totally you know? credited that entirely to Molly. I never credited that behavior, that reaction in her to will. So, it's interest, he, I mean, I'm not saying I just, it's just interesting. Yeah. I'm not saying that he's the one that, who even but,
3: initiated that, but I think he's been honest with her about, Hey, yeah. I've had this connection with Hannibal and here are the dangers in my life. And so she very well could have been the one that goes, okay, well, I need to know how to get my kid out of a bad situation, potentially. I just feel like yeah. she had muscle memory going into it.
2: Anyway. Probably. And the fact that like, you know, the fact that yes, she is, yeah, they're they're clearly in a relationship where they communicate openly and honestly with each other. So she knows what Will's life was, what his life is. And so, yeah there's, it stands to reason that she would like, spend some time in a headspace of being like, how do I, how am I a survivor? Like, how do I need to be prepared? Whether that's consciously or unconsciously, like thinking about how to be prepared to protect herself and her kid from these scary creatures that are out here. Um, but yeah, I, um, I love Molly. Like, and I mean, I did even before this escape sequence, but man, every time I watch this escape Mm -hmm. sequence, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Because we're so conditioned watching so many horror movies that like the woman hears the strange sound and she's just like, huh? And she goes like straight to the source of the sound to to investigate, investigate, right? And we're so trained in that in seeing that reaction so for her to just be like oh there's a strange noise in my house I am getting myself and my child the fuck out of here um and the fact that later in the hospital she was like I knew it I, I saw your picture in the paper and I knew it was him um so the fact that it's like so, yeah, it's just like awesome, 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 and it makes perfect sense that this is the woman that would have the balls to like be with someone like Will Graham. <laughs> you know yeah. that it's like, yeah, um, yeah, fucking Molly, and the conversation with Walter um, that Will has in the waiting room is, I loved that too. Like I really loved that entire sequence as well. That kid like asking all these questions about like, like driving to this place where it's very passive aggressive, like towards will, um, for him to be asking, are you going to kill this guy? No, I'm going to catch him and put him in a mental hospital. But I read an article that you killed a guy and got put into a mental hospital. So I don't want you to put this guy in a mental hospital. I want you to kill him. Is like, there's so many layers of like stuff going on in what's being said there in his blaming of Will for what happened to him and his mother. Um, and his just general like rage at that, that like he's holding as a child. And I was like, that was incredible. Go get your baseball game self-care on because (laughs) you fucking earned it, kid.
3: The amount of influence Will has had on this kid's life makes me very curious to know if we could what Molly's um, journey with this kid is going to be Hmm. moving forward because not only just from this incident, which is a very impactful, you know, influence he's been living with Will for a while. And you can't, I can't at least imagine that, that, you know, Will hasn't had, you know, ups and downs and mood swings, you know, I'm sure he hasn't just been, you know, like happy making my dog food will the whole time. How could he be? Has he ever been that
4: <laughs> at any point on this no. show? <laughs> Never. I love the family. I love the, the. Um, you know, I love this. We get to see this sort of like last ditch effort of Wills to be like, I'm going to go be normal and I'm going to live a normal life that's filled with love and connection and family and dogs galore. (laughs) And I'm gonna try to go and leave this horrible past behind me, truly make good on my promise to myself not to think of Hannibal ever again. And then the way that that sets him and us as the audience up to see like, well, you can't just do that. You can't just say, I'm just not going to be this person anymore. Mm -hmm. You know? And so I think that in these two conversations, he's really kind of seeing like, oh, this isn't, I can't just step into this world and be this. I have to, you know, this isn't natural for me. And, you know, it was, it was specifically highlighted for me in the conversation with Walter where he's like, well, I'm not going to kill him because Will's over here being constantly being like, I'm not a bad guy. I'm not a bad guy. I'm not a bad guy. I'm a good guy. I'm not going to kill him. I'm going to put him in a mental hospital. And Walter is like, the fuck you are. (laughs) (laughs) You need to kill this dude. He almost (laughs) killed me and my mom, you know? Mm Not to say that that is, you know, that's what the good guy would do, but it's like, we get to see Will really grapple with like, you're not the innocent bystander here. That's just like, poor me and my feelings and all my empathy, Mm
2: -hmm. you know?
4: And that was why I appreciated the addition of the family. And I appreciated these, particularly these two scenes um, in this episode, because we're just like, Will... You can go and have your family, but you know as well as we do, all roads
3: lead back to Hannibal. (laughs) (laughs) Boys, find it out.
1: (laughs) I think think my favorite line of hers in this episode is, uh, I almost got angry there, or I got angry for a moment. Like there's something about that line that just fills everything in about her character that I could ever possibly want to know. Um, it's a beautiful line, it's a beautiful discovery, like, when the actor says it, it's, like, almost this beautiful discovery. Um, uh, Sorry, I noticed Kelly Sue doing something. (laughs) Sorry, my cat
4: literally just jumped up on the table, (laughs) laid down, and put his piece-of-shit tail in my guacamole. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
3: That's how they claim your guacamole.
1: (laughs) like it, it just tells me how much uh, uh, she's able to generally just keep her cool, and that that is how mm-hmm. the exact that's the exact thing that Will needs in his life. Like I feel like that is just exactly what he needed. Um, uh, and it's a great human moment from the both of them. Like, uh, beautiful, beautiful moment that I, yeah, is going to stick with me. I think on
3: the um, line that which, because I think at the end of that conversation too, they're they're doing that classic like telling each other things are going to be okay like are we going to be together are we going to be able to like go home and they're both saying oh yeah you know you know there will be circumstances in which we can go home and and but you know both of them are they're really saying yeah no and her conclusion to that is the line about like it's really hard to hold on to something good it gets it's really slippery and that's slick as hell hell. 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 that's (laughs) like
1: that's the perfect film noir line if i've ever heard one slick as hell it's a beautiful beautiful moment yeah
3: mr justin it's
0: hard for me to really dig into will and his family and the things that he presents to them in this episode, without wanting to jump forward a little to the next episode.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: In so far as you know, he's sitting there talking to Walter and basically being like, "Well, you know, I'm a good guy, and good guys don't kill the bad guys, so I'm going to put him in a hospital." And Walter is rightfully like, "Fuck you, and you're a good guy. And this you need to kill this guy." <laughs> yeah. But here's the thing. Will's not talking about Dollarhide. Hyde. Hyde was not the killer in this instance. He was the knife. Hannibal was the killer. Yeah. And what Will is saying is, I'm not going to kill my boo. <laughs> <All right>? <laughs> <laughs> he's, saying, he's saying, look, kid, he said, maybe, you know, because Will is trying to front like he's, you know, I'm a good guy. Good guys don't kill the bad guys. And then we're treated to what Will does in the very next episode, which I won't spoil here. Yeah, yeah. But Will does some sketchy ass shit yeah,
1: he does. because
0: <laughs> Will, <laughs> not a good guy. Okay, right. So,
3: do we have any good guys aside from Molly, which legit good guy?
0: Like I said, Molly's oh. the only person in
1: this show who's like a normal person. Well, I would yeah. say, um, I would say uh, uh, what's her name? <laughs> oh, hello, what? No, the. Uh, Felder Felder uh, Price are good guys. Seller Price. <laughs> but I'm um, the the victim of Dollarhide right now. Why can't I think of her name? Oh, Reba. 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 Reba's oh, Reba. a good guy.
3: True. Yes. So, Absolutely. Re- but Reba
0: Reba doesn't count because Reba is a completely. I mean, she has no idea what's going on. Sure. Yeah. She yeah. has no frame of reference. She is yeah. not like That's Molly okay. sees the, sees things as they are and sure. is still normal. Yeah, okay. Reba is completely kept in the dark, so I, I don't think yeah. that's a fair comparison. Although yeah, I agree yeah. with what you're saying, yeah. Yeah. I mean the fair um,
3: comparison is among the characters who've been touched by Hannibal, and I yeah. think we can agree that Molly has been touched by Hannibal, mm-hmm. like indirectly.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, it's important to remember that Will Graham, as originally created by Thomas Harris, is created as a man with a family. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like everything that Hannibal the show has been thus far is this sort of backstory to red dragon you know what i mean yeah and you know will was always intended to be a family man but we don't ever get to see will as a family man in this show even Mm -hmm. when he has a family you know um will's family is totally awesome will and i mean molly and walter are cool great fully realized characters and all of us right now are sort of like why are they with him <laughs> <You
3: know>? <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's the feeling you
0: know why will
3: has
4: him? that Raylan given syndrome
0: yeah and will, <laughs> will 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 wants to at least front like he's normal he's trying to deceive himself and maybe it's just uh i need to get away from hannibal because hannibal's bad for me so i need to go for what would be good for me and that's these things that i don't really want you know, mm-hmm. Yeah a, we're talking about Highly
2: imperfect characters So mm-hmm. acts of desperation make sense Yes sure. absolutely And That's, him the only acquiring kind of this family can... Was an act of desperation yeah. mm-hmm. That's the only kind of action I can
3: even imagine any of these characters Having Yeah, like, It's,
0: it's also do? important to note That Will Graham is never revisited in the books After Red Dragon mm. You know he like we are given to think that will is pretty much irrevocably broken by the events of red dragon and who knows what's going on with his family you know if they're still together or blah blah blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. um and so this whole thing is allowed to feel very fragile which is good but it also feels like this isn't really what will is about you know mm-hmm. which is maybe well it's good for the story but not good for the family you know
3: <laughs> no not at all um but well, also nina arianda
0: is mm, she's delightfully attractive
3: yeah no i don't, that and I'm I don't know sorry. if anybody else Agreed. has Agreed. seen being the ricardos um she plays vivian vance in that and is arguably oh. the most delightful thing in it hmm. maybe she should have been lucille ball
4: maybe.
3: <laughs> I
1: don't know. Uh-huh. yeah maybe, maybe. Yeah.
3: Kelly Sue, yeah, did you find an exquisite corpse? I did. Yay, tell us. Even about though it.
4: there isn't a corpse in the classical sense that there have been corpses throughout this show. <laughs> Um, the exquisite corpse that I decided to bring up for this episode is, um, the corpse of Hannibal's fanciness.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I always think that I am Uh, mentally prepared for the, the, the delight, like the level of fabulousness of your, like that answer. And no, I was not prepared. It's amazing. Yes.
4: Happy that I could catch you off guard as always. Um, okay. So in this episode, Hannibal <laughs> is stripped of all of his fancy shit, the remaining fancy shit due to his, um, due to his actions. And as I was reading through on the wiki page, there was actually a deleted scene uh, in this episode of his drawing of the Duomo getting Mm. taken down. Mm. Um, And I thought about it and I was like, I mean, I understand why they would remove something like that because this episode is not about Hannibal and it's not about, you know, he's not centered in the action. So adding that detail would have been extraneous, but I, I also thought deeply about it because I was like, you know, he talks at length about his mind palace, right? And he's always drawing. And for the longest time I was like, what is this dude's deal with drawing? (laughs) Like, you don't have the time for this. This isn't something that you're like, you know, it's not like your harpsichord where you're gonna use it to like impress the ladies or whatever, (laughs) maybe, I don't know. Um, But he's constantly got all these fucking drawings everywhere. And I'm like, you know, this is his way of like bringing the, the mind palace into the physical, into the present. So to have his drawing taken down, I feel like that is even more, um, even more of a blow than taking the toilet. It's like mm-hmm. you're taking away now any possibility I have for making the visions in my mind manifest in the in the physical world, and it just goes to show the like there really is no limit to the links that Hannibal will go to stay connected to Will, because he knows. If they catch the tooth fairy, he's done. That's the end. There's no more, Will isn't going to be coming to visit him. Will could ostensibly say, finally, I can GTFO <laughs> this nightmare that is you. <laughs> and so that was, that was a corpse to me in this episode was Hannibal getting his his comforts taken away his fanciness taken away um and what that ultimately means for him and how that well i won't say anything about how that leads into the next episode (laughs) (laughs) anyway thank you all for coming to my ted talk
3: Uh, (laughs) excellent yes rest in peace Fancy Hannibal.
1: I feel yeah. like I feel like Fancy Hannibal should read uh, should meet uh, Shorey Agdashlu's character from The Expanse. I think they'd have a very good time. Ooh.
3: can you imagine?
4: What a mashup! Can you imagine if Hannibal, Station between mm-hmm. the two, in his cell, is visited by? Fucking avacarala.
3: <laughs> <laughs> just just the ways in which both would recognize the other's machinations yeah, and just yeah. be like, oh, I see you. Oh. And, and, their and the I'm
2: other's good
3: taste.
4: Like oh, yes.
1: oh yeah. Like oh, yeah. it what it'd be pretty remarkable. Very,
4: yeah, it would be remarkable. there would be so much respect flying around. <laughs> uh-huh. There
0: is, <laughs> yeah, but here's is. the thing. Hannibal <laughs> <laughs> eats the rude.
1: <laughs> and a <Avasarala laughs> is rude, as rude. Fuck. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they need a, they Look, need a glass plate to separate she, them. She is yeah.
0: rudeness wrapped in a beautiful sari. Yeah. Yeah. But- yeah.
2: She's she's so fabulous though that he might get blinded by her. I, I kind of feel I, like there would be very much
4: like a him being like, listen, game recognized game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This one's off limits. There, yeah. I think totally. I think
0: maybe. I don't know like because the thing is when she says to him this situation is fucked enough already so don't put your dick in it do you know what I mean like that might be a step too far for Hannibal you know what I
1: mean. In this case it would be her
4: saying you need to get your dick out of it.
1: Oh, we Woo! toast you, Kelly Wonderful. Sue. Wonderful.
3: Amazing. Yes. Amazing wrap up. I think it's time for our recommendation. You know, we never watch things without wanting to watch other things or read other things or listen to other things. And we're going to turn to Philip today for his suggestion.
1: So that home invasion sequence, which was remarkably well shot and just everything about it was amazing. Got me thinking about other home invasion stuff and- you guys are talking about desperation. There's a, a movie from 1955 called The Desperate Hours with Humphrey Bogart. It's uh, essentially film noir. He plays a bad guy, which he rarely ever did, uh, where he, one of three bank robbers that invades a home uh, and takes it over with the family inside. And it's a really good movie. And Bogart is absolutely stellar in it, uh, as, as well as the rest of the cast, who is, um, it's uh... oh, I can't think of the. The name of the uh it's william wyler i think yeah william is the director so some really great talent it's just a really remarkable movie that i think they tried to remake in the 80s i haven't seen it uh with nick nolte maybe um
3: is, but yeah, ch- ch-
1: yeah well I, I i've never seen it i just can't remember uh but i know they remade it um so yeah i would say highly recommended check out the desperate hours
3: you know i think philip you just answered for me the reason why I have never liked Humphrey Bogart and why I don't like Casablanca is that I always assumed that he should be a bad guy. And oh, he whoa, just never whoa,
4: is a bad whoa, guy. Whoa, <laughs> whoa, whoa, I,
2: I, I know, I am That's internally, you know, like know, Sue is saying externally, I am <laughs> feeling internally. Are
0: really coming into full effect <laughs> yeah. here because wow. you <laughs> cannot possibly believe what you just said. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we're yeah. watching Claire Punch herself in the face. <laughs> on like this. totally.
1: You're just
4: gonna, yeah, it, you're just gonna, I don't. You're just gonna, gonna that,
2: like
1: drop gonna that. that. Okay. He he yeah. was yeah. A, he was in the African Queen where he played like a I ruddy love, old, like like bad like kind of like ugh, like awesome. I yeah, Scuzzy I love guy.
3: African How about Queen? Treasure
1: of the Star- Sierra Madre. Madre? That was the next oh one my, I was gonna I, go to. Treasure I, of the I Sierra Madre wanna, plays a bad guy. I don't want to watch that one.
3: What? what i just really like humphrey bogart i don't Sierra
0: Madre is like hands down one of the best movies i've ever seen that movie is incredible yeah. and his performance is yeah. like the model of what actors could do like is
3: he a bad guy yeah is he a bad guy He's, okay. he descends I, I will... into
0: madness it is yeah. amazing okay. yeah that's
3: all right yeah. I will take that, and I will watch Treasure <laughs> Plus, Sierra Madre. I will do that and, before our next recording, and the Desperate every Hours, time, and the
1: Desperate Hours.
0: Every okay. time you hear someone say badges, we don't need no stinking badges. If you oh. haven't seen Treasure of the, of the Sierra Madre, you don't yeah, know what no that idea. really is. I
3: just assume I don't know what anything means when I, <laughs> somebody's quoting something. That's just this the pl- space I live in. Um, but I'm still gonna stand by my, like I can see Kelly Sue's shocked face. I'm still standing by my, I do not like Casablanca. That I, is honestly like, I way down Casablanca, at the bottom of my list. The
4: Casablanca themed yeah. Mexican restaurant in Venice beach. Uh, <laughs> no, you're done. not allowed now.
2: Okay. Now, yeah, just find you can't you in park in any of the reserved parking spaces. <laughs>
4: Definitely not the at one at that restaurant.
2: Bergman. Ooh, well No
4: way. I don't like Casablanca. Just casually.
2: I don't. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't. It's the it's
0: weird just... thing. It's like, it, but, but you know what? I, I live with this sort of thing because my wife once casually just said to me, "I don't like the Beatles." You know? I, I don't mean, like the
3: Beatles. That's. I love your wife. <laughs> I don't. Like the Beatles. I don't like I also I, I share like a household with someone who also dislikes band the
0: on in music.
3: I <laughs> yeah. like the Beatles when they're sung by somebody else. I just don't like the, That's exactly the Beatles. That's exactly what Michelle said.
2: Like I heard I her say like that the just Beatles. the other day. She was like, I can listen to the Beatles if someone else is singing their yeah. songs. And I'm like, so, Put me in touch with her. I mean, like, honestly, whatever you're into, fine. Whatever you're not, fine.
0: Sure, sure,
2: sure. Not
0: fine. Whatever you're into, fine. Let's just throw logic and understanding and the world in which we live to the
1: wolves. I don't
2: understand why you're even trying to apply logic to the world. Yeah.
1: (laughs) We um, live in we live in barbaric times, y'all. We live in barbaric times. That's all.
3: We're, I'm gonna wrap us up because obviously, um, Adam, or- also
0: hates Casablanca.
3: <laughs> yes, exactly. Join us, or maybe just the rest of the co-hosts, and not me, because I don't know if they're gonna let me come back. Yeah. Um, next Tuesday for season three, episode twelve, the number of the beast is six six six. Um, you can always help us by subscribing, sharing, and leaving a nice comment. Um, just not about Casablanca until (laughs) next time. This has been a Popsicle podcast production.